Welcome to Creative Life Hackers. My name is Ruthie. And I'm Lisa. We're your hosts. In this podcast, we provide you with creative inspiration, support, and community on your journey of building an independent and creative lifestyle. Join us for talks with artists, musicians, gig workers, entrepreneurs, and people who are actively authoring the stories of their lives. We explore how they leverage their creativity in the pursuit of their dreams and share what they learned on their path to empower you on yours. We're letting go of limiting narratives, taking our power back, and creatively life hacking. Today, we interview our friend Eugene Fernandez, who lives a very interesting and creative lifestyle. We chat about how Eugene is able to pursue the things that are most exciting and important to him, like skydiving and music festivals, and how he's able to leverage his work to make it happen. We also cover how he challenges himself in so many ways to make sure that his words and his actions are lining up as much as possible, and he's utilizing the time that he has to really follow through on the things that he wants instead of you know, telling stories about why it's not possible. Eugene is really, I would say, mastered the art of going for it. So stay tuned. There's a lot of great gems in here. We're excited to introduce you to Eugene. Eugene, thank you so much for joining us on our podcast. We're really excited to have you on here, um, especially because some of the people we've interviewed so far are more traditional artists, um, but you lead a very creative life. Um, so Eugene here is a digital nomad. Um, you work for IBM, is that correct? Correct, yep. Um, he's on the road right now living as a full-time RV lifer and skydive bum (laughs) and (laughs) he is a festival fanatic when festivals are a thing that are happening and that's how we were connected we were connected through holy ship and it was the first year that the instigators were hired and eugene came to every single event that we hosted so he really stood out and he didn't just like come to the event he participated in the event and he didn't just participate in the event, but he took it to like the extreme. So the costume contest, he shows up with a team, like a theme, like a a theme, theme team coordinated costume for the costume contest. He came to the dating competition, didn't just watch, participated, was dressed as a minor, like a gold gold digger, digger. and won. Oh my God, I forgot and, about that. <laughs> and I was just like, this guy. And then I remember you came to one of the pool parties and the whole time you were fixing Derek, the dragon. Um, yep. And you were like, I just didn't want to miss it. Like, I didn't want to sit and do this in my room, but it had to be done. So you just like sat there and were hot glue gunning Derek the whole time. And I was exactly. like, we have you got have to get to this guy. Yeah. <laughs> it had to be done. <laughs> <laughs> it's like why sit in your room doing shit when you can be at the party doing it you know like. <laughs> so um so i knew that we had to have you on the instigators and i told mark i was like hey mark you see that guy over there 
we need him last year and he, next year. And he was just like, okay, yeah, whatever. Um, and then again, <laughs> when we were, when we were doing stuff and I knew when we had a big team for Moonrise, that's when I, we first brought you on and you just like bring so much to the table and, and it has been such a pleasure getting to know you more, um, with the instigators and all the work that we've done there. But Lisa and I are particularly excited to get to know you more right now through this interview because still you're just kind of this like elusive person and we <laughs> want to know nice. we want to know how <laughs> you became who you are yeah <laughs> i hope i hope there's but... some some lead-in questions to that that's a that's a really open-ended question <laughs> don't worry who there are is. you okay so inquiring minds want to know eugene tell yeah. us about what you do in your words what I do in my words that yeah. that itself is a pretty open question um so I try to just live the most fulfilling life possible however that might manifest itself at any given moment so I mean professionally I work for IBM so that's kind of where my money comes from to be able to do what I do um and I'm also working you know to try to create other revenue streams through investments and stuff so that I don't have to have a to be dependent on a company for money to live. Um, but uh, when I'm not doing that, I am. Or actually, what out. do you do at IBM? Uh, so for IBM, I'm a solution manager, uh, specifically with a streaming video platform. And even more specifically, I work with a client in Europe and they use our platform to manage their direct to consumer streaming application so like a netflix type application mm -hmm. um and that's why I, I think as you guys know i used to travel to europe all the time mm -hmm. it's a really awesome perk of my job i could pretty much go there whenever i wanted um not so much anymore <laughs> but uh yeah so that's kind of i'm a client facing uh uh engineer manager kind streaming of streaming is kind of a big thing right now it's huge yeah yeah when corona first hit it was like it, it definitely has calmed down but the initial pop of everybody subscribing to streaming services and streaming definitely slammed us and our ops guys were much more busy um you know keeping keeping things up and running and handling the, the traffic and then i was busy from because i worked directly with the with the, uh with the client and they were trying to capitalize on you know the, the pop and, and and get new features out and get promotions running and things like that that they needed our help and support with so yeah it was super busy at the beginning uh things have kind of calmed down now i think we're kind of in a you know business as usual uh mm -hmm. standpoint but uh yeah that's what i do i like it my client is awesome uh my team is awesome and i have a lot of flexibility with that so you know it's nice. not the typical you know uh you think working for ibm wouldn't be the, the typical like dream job but the amount of freedom that i have really you know allows me to to make the most of it so yeah be, be happy. Did you have that level of freedom when you first got the job or did you negotiate some of this? So yes and no. So I first, I, the way I ended up working for IBM is they actually bought the company that I was working for. And that company I worked, started working for because the VP of engineering actually lived in my building and we rode motorcycles together. And when he heard I was leaving my company, he was like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm going to take some time off. And he's like, okay, well, before you look anywhere else, like, I want you to meet the guys I'm working with. I think you, got, you would fit in really well. And so I did that and they were awesome. And I joined them. And at that point they were very much in startup mode. So it was like working like crazy, 
like busting our ass to get this thing up and running. Um, and we did, and you know, and then IBM came around looking and they ended up uh, purchasing the company. And by that time it was like not so much in startup mode anymore and had kind of calmed down. So I was already like had a little bit of freedom in my job and in my role. And essentially like, as long as it's like, I work with a very large client. It's like the largest account in the division. So as long as the client is happy, it's like, nobody cares, you know, like, so it's, it's a really, I feel like it's probably most jobs. It's like, as long as you're getting your job done, nobody's really going to question what's going on. And I'm very good at getting my job done. So, (laughs) so it just works. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. So, so we have dived into like work stuff, but there's a lot of other things that you do as well. I try to not do work as much as possible and do a lot of other things as much as possible. Yeah. Tell us where you are right now. Uh, So right now I am at the Lone Mesa uh, campgrounds um, on Bureau Land Management public land in uh, Southern Nevada. It's about 10, 15 minutes from Canyonlands National Park. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've been kind of hopping around to different BLM campgrounds because they're free and camping for free for the last, uh, I guess it's been about a month now. So, and then before that, I was um, parked at a drop zone at Skydive Chicago. I mentioned I'm a skydiver bum. Uh, That was an amazing two months I spent there. Got about 100 100 jumps in two months. Wow. Progressed my skydiving (laughs) a lot. I forward to doing a lot more of that. Yeah, it's- uh, What happens when you progress as a skydiver? Like what kind of skills are you picking up? uh mostly just like uh, better body control in the air so i mean it's not just about falling to the ground it's about falling to the ground in a controlled manner and with a group of people and executing you know certain maneuvers and and moves and positions and things um, what is that thing that like synchronized falling synchronized falling so it's like an aesthetic thing yeah oh yeah for sure yeah yeah, yeah. practically helpful as well yeah yeah no it's definitely very like yoga in the air a, a lot for real um definitely like you yeah you, exit, you you make a plan you're like okay how many people do we have five cool you figure out what everybody's skill level is and then you figure out what you want to do and you you know you kind of generally when you plan a jump you work it backwards so you're like okay, what do we want to do in the air okay and then you figure out and then you you're like okay so the first thing like here are all the things we want to do in the air so what's our starting position in that okay now let's figure out how we want to exit the plane to set us up to be in that position, like the best possibility to, to get to that starting point the quickest, because yeah. you don't want to lose, like the critical part of the jump is right when you exit the plane, because if everybody exits and gets, you get a bunch of separation, you're going to spend a yeah. lot of time getting back yeah. together and you lose a good chunk of the amount of time you have to complete yeah. what you're trying to do. Yeah. So yeah, and it's That's just- That's like great for like physics nerds. Like, yep. you, oh my gosh, it's, like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, really, it's really awesome because like it's a lot of really good skydivers or engineers mm-hmm. and it, it's really funny. It's all, it's really a bunch of nerds doing nerdy things and it's I super fun. I believe it. <laughs> Adorable. <laughs> super, super fun. <laughs> yep, super, so, super fun. How did you get started skydiving? When did that start? Uh, I've actually been jumping for like 10 years, but only yeah. seriously for like the last three. Oh wow! Um, yeah, so ten years ago, I had the realization. I, I just noticed, like one day, that I was saying, like, "Oh, someday I want to do that," or "That's something that I want to do someday," or "I've always wanted to do that." And like, like one day, I just noticed it. Like, man, I've said that like a lot recently. Hmm. Why? Why aren't I actually doing 
these things. Like, what am what am I doing? What, what am I waiting for to start doing these things? This is dumb. Yes. So I made a list. I made a list of the things uh, that I wanted to. That I was like, oh, I should do these things, and then I just started doing them. What was on uh, your list? And well, so it kind of started with like, let me just get excuse me, uh, as many like certificates and licenses and things as possible. So I did, I got my motorcycle license, I got my concealed carry permit, I became a notary public, an ordained minister, a licensed skydiver, a licensed scuba diver. And I think that's what I knocked out. And I did all of that in like a month. <laughs> like those are pretty easy to, to, to do all those things. Um, yeah. And then, so the skydiving thing wasn't like, I wasn't like super serious about being a skydiver. I just liked the idea of being able to skydive. Yeah. Uh, so I was just jumping like barely enough to keep my license because you have to jump every so often depending on your level of license to, to remain current. Yeah. And at the beginning, I was literally losing my license every like two or three times a year. I would have to pay to, to do a recurrency training and, and, and mm -hmm. jump again. And it was just, it was kind of ridiculous. And then it was really Burning Man uh, that got me to kind of focus on it. I saw people skydiving. The first year I was there, I saw people skydiving in and I was like, oh shit. I was like, I should look into that. And when I looked into it, it was like, you have to have 200 jumps. And at the time I was at like 60 and I was like, oh shit, like no way. Yeah. And then the next year I actually like a skydiver landed kind of near me. So I went and picked him up and gave him a ride back to the camp. And we were talking and he basically literally gave me the same talk that I give other people about like, what are you waiting for? If it's something you want to do, just fucking do it. Like you're going to have to sacrifice something and just know that what you're sacrificing is worth it. Cause the thing you're sacrificing for is the thing you really want to be doing. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. You're literally just a mirror right now. <laughs> like, yeah. um, and so I buckled down and stopped partying so damn much and waking, started waking up early and going to the drop zone every weekend and knocking out all the jumps I needed to, to get to 200 and, and the next year I jumped to Burning Man and it's been kind of nonstop since then. Cause I mean, once you get good at it, it's <laughs> so much more fun. Like it's, it's not great when you're just like a student or a, a newly licensed person, or you're like at that skill level, cause you can't really do much and not a lot of people want to jump with you. Um, and once you get better, I mean, you're literally flying with your friends. You're jumping out of a plane and flying with your friends and it's awesome. <laughs> I will awesome. never forget the time when I'm, I was at Burning Man and I'm near my camp inside of this like haunted house that my, my neighbors were making and I hear my name and I peek my head out of this curtain and it's Eugene and he hands me this ticket to fly. Oh, yeah. And he says, hey, if you show up tomorrow at 1 p.m., you can push me out of a plane naked. And Done. you have to bring <laughs> this ticket and your ID. And I just like that, that alone, that little moment, that nugget of time is just such a Burning Man thing yeah, to happen. Yeah, I love it. Like, it's just like complete and then just like took off. Like, okay, see you later. Right. <laughs> like a little fairy. It was. You, it, you, you really were, because you had like those wings I was gonna on say, it. I probably day. had wings. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Just That's popped awesome. in, popped out, pushed me out of the plane naked. See you later. <laughs> oh my God. I love Bird Man. <laughs> oh, so good. <laughs> yeah, but so like obviously skydiving is a big thing, but also festivals have been a big thing for you. But I'm curious about the timeline of this like decision to just like start doing the things. But then like I've known you like, after that, and you still are going to like a lot of festivals. But but so, yeah, it does feel like in a very like 
professional party person kind of way. <laughs> like you really feel it seems like you have a lot of like responsibility of like curating things for Try others. To- well, it, it, that's how I have fun. Like, I have a lot of fun hosting and, like, making sure other people are having fun. So I like to go to, and I guess it happens both ways, because I do enjoy kind of going to a festival every once in a while and having, like, zero, like, literally just show up in shorts and a t-shirt completely just, like, I'm here to be a spectator. I'm not doing anything. I'm going to be super lazy. That's nice every once in a while. Pretty rare. But I get more joy and uh, enjoyment out of, like, preparing and thinking and being intentional about you know how much energy and fun I'm going to bring and like silly little things that I can do um it's just more fun to like have that kind of stuff to do um why you're a perfect instigator (laughs) right exactly like that's I think that's why we all are like I think that's kind of we're naturally all like that and it's like we just we're like let's all get together and do this and get like get reimbursed slash paid for it like it's fucking I mean I can't thank you guys enough for doing that honestly like incredible like I would never like I think it's a great idea and I'm like yeah someone should do that I would never have actually taken the time to figure it out and you know put the proposals together and talk to the right people I mean so yeah, I'm definitely eternally grateful for you guys uh, putting and in that legwork. Really, you know, it just kind of all came together in a beautiful way, I think, because um, Mark, Ellie, and I, and Rob really all had just different connections mm-hmm. in the music and music festival industry. And so all of our like big first gigs kind of came from different ones of us. And then we all had different strengths as far as being able to put these proposals together. Um, right. and, and I kind of had with, with my work that I did at festivals already with Blackthorn, I basically had like an inside leg. I got proposals like this, not right, like exactly. this, but similar stuff all the time. So right. I knew like exactly what needed to go in there right. to do it. So that yeah. helps. Yeah, that's awesome. No, it's been, it's, I was so stoked uh, when you guys were like, hey, do you want to come? I was like, oh, yes, like, dream come true. Like, this is amazing. Um, yeah, but Lisa, I think I, I met you at Electric Forest, right? Yeah, we met before. And yeah. That, and that was, I think, the year that I had the festival passport. That was the year that I did the most festivals. Yeah. I think I did eight, 18 festivals that year. And my objective, my objective was to try to burn myself out because like people, people were like, when are you going to stop going to festivals? And I'm like, I don't know, like whenever I stop enjoying them. And then, uh, you wanted to see what that limit was. Exactly. And Live Nation announced, yeah, exactly. That's a great question. I don't know. Maybe should figure this out if I'm going to ever move on with my life. And, uh, Live Nation released I need to know. (laughs) Right. These are answers we need. (laughs) Live Nation released that festival passport, which was like a ticket to every festival that they took. I remember that. Which was an insane number of festivals. And that, yep. that was the worst financial decision I ever made in my life. Yeah, I was but just thinking, I, like, <laughs> Well, no, I mean, yeah, like the thing itself, the it's like, it was like. The actual passport wasn't that no, expensive. Well, no, right, it's like, it seems like a good deal. It's like, oh. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's only 800 bucks. Like, I'll make that yeah. money up in four festivals, depending on the festival. Yeah. And But it doesn't include transportation, hotel, food, like all that. So it's like, I, all I did was pay $800 to sign myself up to spend several hundred dollars e- like every weekend as I tried to go to as many festivals as possible no it was it was a lot of fun it was super fun super fun and what I learned was basically that apparently I won't burn out because at no point a a full-time job doing this yeah you were crushing yeah 
not forget that. <laughs> yep. Yeah. The uh, levels are just like very high. I'm I get that uh I don't it's just super lucky on my metabolism <laughs> slash brain chemistry slash I don't know I mean I at that time uh, I was probably eating decent like now I eat pretty healthy um I mean not like I don't like do meal prep or anything but I just pay attention to like labels and things and try to not eat a lot of crap um good choice and yeah you know and drink a lot of water I've always been huge on hydration but I mean, I just, I'm just lucky. I, I, I fully, I, I don't subscribe to like, I hate like seeing like diet ads and it's like this dude and this chick and they're ripped and they're like, oh, you can do it. And it's like, no, motherfucker, you have a, you are lucky. Like you are like me and you have a metabolism and it's just rude to advertise to people who don't and make them believe that they can get your body. Like they can't, it's not fair. Like it's, oh, it's we, so have a, we have, we have, it's, it's like, i <laughs> I have a biological leg up and it's like, yeah. I don't know. It's, um, so I'm, yeah, I'm just super lucky and I try to, you know, do as much good with it as possible. <laughs> yeah. So something that has really stood out to me about you, Eugene, is um, like the amount of freedom you give yourself with your fashion. And I would love <laughs> to like chat about that because I feel like for men, there's a lot of assumptions that like you, yes. like your clothes need to be kind of like one way or boring or that certain colors or certain textures or just like off limits. And right. it's kind of like some toxic masculinity stuff that I feel like you seem pretty untethered by. And I would love for you to talk about that. Like, were you <laughs> always that way? Or did you make like a conscious decision to kind of like um... embrace the weirder clothing decisions? No, I think it's, I think it's, I'm definitely going to attribute that to my mother. Um, she has always been, I feel like I get very much like my outgoing energetic uh, personality from her. Mm -hmm. And like, I, as far back as I can remember when I was a kid, anytime there was an opportunity to dress up, like I went to private school, so we always had a uniform. So it was like, my clothing was very restricted the majority of my life. Yeah, it was Catholic, Catholic private high school. And so you had like our uni very strict uniform and that's what we wore every day, which honestly, like I didn't mind because it made it easy to know what you were wearing. You don't have to worry about picking out clothes. It's like, that's what I'm wearing, done. Yeah. Um, but then we would have costume days or like dress up days. And it was like, okay, what, like how far can we go without getting in trouble? You know, and it was- How it was, far did you go without getting in trouble? <laughs> oh, it was super fun. So one of my favorite, I don't remember what the theme was, but I dressed up as an Oompa Loompa and I walked around on my knees all day. Like she, my mom like sewed like a custom jumpsuit that had little feet at my knees. So when I walked around on my knees that they had like little shoes oh my and I was literally like on my knees the entire day as an Oompa Loompa yeah. through school, like late, late for class. Cause like, I, couldn't get there. like it was, I mean, playing the whole thing off. Yeah, it was. Super, yeah, exactly. So like, I never, I kind of like from the beginning, never had that, uh, like mm -hmm. that worry of like oh what would people think if i if yeah. i dress differently oh. or and oh, i was um what an amazing woman <laughs> yeah for real and i was very into like punk and ska music at the time also which was kind of like an alternative scene yeah. so was wearing a lot of like plaid bright plaid pants and checkerboard shoes and mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff and i had a mohawk at it for a while was um, it color uh, I, so because I was in a private Catholic school, I couldn't permanently dye my hair, but I used like, if I was going to a show, I would temporarily use like temporary dyes and 
and yeah. dye it. So basically what I had actually was similar to this. Like I had the, the sides shaved like this and this top was just super long. My hair used to grow like nice and straight and long and I had it parted down the middle. So it was like hair wasn't allowed to touch your collar. So it was like just to here. And then when I, when I put it up, it was like an 18 inch mohawk. Wow. Uh, it, was, it was pretty dope. It was pretty dope. I miss, I miss those I days. I totally envision you with this mohawk and yeah. like the checkered shoes and everything. Yeah. I'll have to see if I can dig up a picture from that and send it to you guys. Yeah. I was, yeah. I was pretty punk rock. <laughs> I, your um, rainbow pedicure was definitely another thing that caught my eye on that first holy ship. I was like, you know, each time I saw you, I was just kind of like taking away all these, filing away all these little notes is like right. why you were obviously one of us. And I was like rainbow <laughs> pedicure. Yep. Definitely Check. one of us. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was actually the first uh, time I, I did that, actually. Wow. That was the, like, I was uh, doing a Sunday fun day with some friends of Good mine move. at a pool, yeah. right? And uh, we were just drinking champagne poolside, and his my friend's girlfriend was like, oh, shoot, I got to get a pedicure. And we're like, uh, yeah, we're in. And so we brought champagne to the salon. Is and, that an invitation? Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, and we all went to the salon with our champagne drunk at like the afternoon on Sunday. All the, the women there were loving us. The best time to go them. pedicure. Yeah, and we're like talking and then they're coming to the colors. And I was like, ooh. And I was like, oh. I'm like, I got holy ship in a couple of weeks. I was like, oh, yeah, let's. I was like, what is the brightest colors you have? And then so I did like the sparkle on the big toe and the neon colors on the other toes. And I was like, and it was fun and whatever. And I did holy ship. And then when I got home, like I would go to work, you know, put on shoes, whatever, come home. And at the end of the day, I would take my shoes and socks off. And like, I would forget my toes were painted and I would take them <laughs> off. And I would like laugh every time I saw my toes. I would just be like, ah! like, that's awesome. And then I decided, I was like, that's kind of an amazing feeling. Like, what, what? Like, like, I love that every time I take my socks off, it makes me smile. So I was yeah. like, I think I'm going to continue this. So I just never stopped getting them paid. I got them done like at that same salon for a while and then I was like all right this is expensive as shit so finally I ordered uh, I ordered the stuff and have been doing it myself for the last couple of months oh, <laughs> nice. yep. yeah 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 so I actually I haven't done it in a little while but I um, have volunteered at these like secular humanist kids camps and one of the activities during like open time is like nail painting and but they want it to be like everyone gets their nails painted if they want. And so they encourage right. all the nail camp counselors to get their nails painted just as this kind of like- uh, An inclusive, of, yeah, yeah. Breaking, like, breaking down the sexist barrier and the- Yeah, 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 yeah just like wearing awesome. some gender roles and allowing people to kind of, yeah, explore. Explore, yeah. For like younger kids. So anyways, yeah, that is dope that that is what, and you are doing that as well. And yeah, yeah, I think it, I don't, I don't know if you interact with kids ever, but I'm sure that, like, regardless of whoever you come into contact with. I definitely have little kids run and be like, I like your nails. I have, you know, every once in a while, there's like a little boy who's like, why are your nails painted? And I'm like, cause it's awesome. <laughs> like, why, why aren't yours? <laughs> like, it's awesome. Yeah, great check, answer. Check your assumptions, kid. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it seems like you have a really good ability to just like connect with things that feel fun or good to you and then to just do those things. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a really good way of putting it. That's basically what I try to do. Yep. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So another one of those things that you've just done is this RV life transition. Mm. And it seems to kind of coincide. Did you have this idea before the pandemic hit? Or was it once the pandemic hit, you were like, okay, I'm going to 
buy an RV and move into it and start traveling the United States? What was no, your actually, timeline there? Yeah, I had the idea before. Um, so I'll tell you the story super quick. Um, I, I guess it's something that I had I'd always thought about because um, being a skydiver, a lot of, there's a lot of like skydiving bums who live in RVs on drop zones. And I was like, mm-hmm. man, I was like, just to, just to skydive all day. and Love to do that like, someday. Yeah, well, but I wasn't <laughs> sure I would want to. It's like, would I want nothing but skydiving? Like, don't I like traveling and doing other things? I was like, yeah. yeah. So it was never like something that I just absolutely knew I wanted to do. But it was kind of in the back of my head, like, yeah, maybe for a year or two, just, you know, to get really good at skydiving and progress quickly. Um, so it was kind of in the back of my head. And then I was in a, um, in a hotel in Stockholm, Sweden. I was traveling for work. And it was a hotel that I don't normally stay at. So the rooms were super tiny and the bathroom was expensive tiny and I'm in the bathroom and just thinking to myself I'm like man this bathroom is really small but like it's still well appointed like I have room for all my stuff I haven't bumped into anything I haven't felt cramped and I was having these thoughts in the shower because like I looking at the shower I was like man that shower is tiny but then when I was actually in it I was like like I this is the perfect amount of space like I haven't mm-hmm. run into anything I was like mm-hmm. this this bathroom is really nice so I was like man this thing's almost small enough that it could fit in an RV and I was like, man, if an RV had a bathroom like this, actually, my first thought was a ship. I was like, this is like a ship's bathroom. I was like, yeah, it's a little bit bigger than a ship, but it could totally fit in an RV. And I was like, man, if an RV had a bathroom like this, I could totally live in an RV. And then I was like, I could totally live in an RV. <laughs> because at the time, yeah, I was like, boom. I own a condo in Atlanta that I bought like at the bottom of the market in 2010. So it's been appreciating a lot and it's been like an asset that I'm sitting on. And in my whole, like trying to get financial freedom, I'm like, and I travel for work. So I'm barely ever in my condo. So it's like, I'm really wasting this asset. Like I could lease it out and make money on it instead of living in it and only being there for, you know, a little bit of the year. So that was kind of like on my trajectory already as I was planning to lease out my condo and move somewhere else. And my original plan was to buy another place in Atlanta um, but I was having trouble finding something that I liked. So then I was like, well, wait, maybe I could buy an RV and live in an RV instead. And then I was at the time preparing to officiate a friend of mine's wedding. So I called them up that night to kind of like talk through the ceremony and stuff. And I let them know that I had this idea. And they're like, that's wild because there is an RV show in Atlanta this weekend and we're going. I was like, what? I was like, okay, that's serendipitous. I was like, well, I, like, I know nothing about RVs or how much they cost or anything. So like take some tours, send me some pictures, send me some finance information. And that's kind of how it started. And then um so yeah it was that was early february so i mean corona was a thing but it wasn't like the country wasn't on lockdown there was like barely any cases in the u.s if at all yet um yeah. and you're just starting to hear about it exactly exactly and so like i had kind of got the ball rolling and i was ready to buy it like about the time that everything started getting locked down so i was like okay let me hold off for a second i was like best or you know worst case everything gets locked down and I I can't buy an RV and it's good that I didn't buy it before that happened Mm -hmm. um and then best case is you know they're the dealer's more desperate and they get a better deal on it anyway so I might as well just wait a couple of months and see what happens um so I waited until May and at that point it was kind of clear that like it wasn't going away but it wasn't getting any worse as far as like restrictions and things like I, I should be able to drive around without a problem um so yeah I pulled the trigger and actually uh, parked behind that same friend, the guy uh, whose wedding I officiated, parked behind his house um, for a couple of weeks after I bought it in order to like fix it up and and make changes and install lights and sound and all sorts of stuff like that to get ready. Make it also, amazing. Yeah, basically make it something that I would love to live in instead of just yep. like a sterile box. 
um, and also kind of practice slash get used to the systems in it and how long I could camp like without being connected to things. Yeah. So like get an idea for how long my water would last and how, how long the batteries last without power and all that kind of stuff. So I'd be like well prepared when I went to yeah. a campground. It was super awesome and that they let me do that. And yeah, and it was set me up for success. And then I went to Scottish Chicago uh, for two months and just jumped my ass off and spent so much money. Any money that I'm saving, I, I three times spent that amount skydiving. So <laughs> that was, that was an, you know, a, not an unfortunate, but it was, it's something that I love. So it's, it's money well spent for sure. And yep. then I've uh, been driving around and now I'm over in Utah. Hit like the RV, like, um, market right before right. like everything got exhausted because now yeah you can't get one yeah yeah I, I literally bought it like right when the dealers were like panicking like oh my gosh we can't sell anything and like three weeks later they sold everything <laughs> like, yeah. I really like yeah my I'm so grateful and lucky like all my it seems like just everything in my life for the last couple of years has like all the timing has been superb <laughs> like I mean it yeah. sounds terrible but like corona couldn't have come at a better time for me you know I mean I, I, I love that I wish I could still be traveling but it's it's not terrible <laughs> the way it's been yeah working out. yeah do you feel like because you're making like courageous like choices in your life that these like lucky opportunities happen more so I that feel like that is true for me. And that, I mean, that's a great kind of exercise or thought experiment. It's like, is mm -hmm. it that I'm lucky or is it that I'm taking risks to have that luck be a thing? Because if you don't yeah. take that risk, it's not even a possibility, right? Like you've got to put yep. yourself in a situation yep. where that can happen. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I don't know. You can't, I can't answer that question. <laughs> you, can't, I, you, can't, you can't really tell, right? But I, I will I say that I'm, a, I will continue down this path until I'm proven that it's not the case. <laughs> a mixture of the two, yeah. but I would say more so us putting ourselves in the position to be lucky, like AD20. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 The luck is just that little extra sprinkle on top of like what we've already put right, ourselves All the in. effort you're putting into yes. it. And I mean, yep. it's a lot to do with your your attitude too I mean being open to things and not being like totally like locked in and super focused on things being exactly the way you want them to be like being open mm -hmm. to them being different um because for example like the way I'm traveling right now was not what I had in mind it was not the plan it wasn't um at all kind of what I envisioned but it's absolutely awesome and I'm loving it so it's just yeah not being so rigid to mm -hmm. have, having to have it exactly your way and being open to whatever is available and possible and yeah. then making, the be making the best of that and it just feels like it snowballs from that point like yeah I, I i feel like um i feel like that kind of relates to one time one of my one of my friends asked me what my goals were or something like that and i was like well mm -hmm. you know i kind of have an open relationship with my goals <laughs> <laughs> that and, is awesome. yeah. and basically it was like what I was saying is like you know I didn't want to have tunnel vision like you're saying being rigid but right. like it's me and this goal and it's from point A to point B like you want to look at all possibilities, all possibilities that are yeah. out there at all points and maybe there's another possibility that's better than this goal that you predetermined in your mind of this thing exactly. and exactly. so when you're in an open relationship with your goals then you can kind of 
you know, bebop around to the best, uh, you know, thing for you. Goal at the time. Yeah. That yeah. is such uh, a great analogy. I love that. I'm totally going <laughs> to say that. What are your I'm in an open relationship with goals. <laughs> I'm a network of goals that uh, together to form, yeah. a, to form a successful pod. <laughs> Goal network. Yeah. <laughs> Goal network, exactly. Yeah, if you're like super fixated on how things need to be, you're essentially putting blinders on. So there could be like an opportunity. Other possibilities. Yeah. yeah, like if you were coming from a place of like more just like openness and acceptance and flexibility, like you're saying, then you may see something that just kind of like sparks something inside of you where you're like, wait, maybe. Yep. Yeah, but, but you wouldn't notice it you wouldn't even be available or open to it if yeah you know, you'd just be angry that things aren't working out the way you've been planned exactly. <laughs> well, and i think right now in the time of corona it having that adaptability is a huge tool for all of us because like we yeah. it's i mean we can Nothing try is how we, planned. we can try <laughs> to plan as much as we want right now but like it shit's probably going to change so, you know, be ready to adapt when that happens. For sure. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, everybody is definitely in a make it up as you go kind of mode right now. Mm -hmm. Which is a great exercise. Yeah. Painful, no, uncomfortable, but healthy, yeah. I think. Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely an interesting uh, experience for kind of mankind a little bit, yeah. like to kind of shake everybody and be like hey so that way you were all were living and you thought everything was fine and you all just can keep continuing with that nope like that's just that's just the way you're living right now that's not necessarily the way it's going to be like something could yeah. come along like this and completely change it are you okay with yep. that nope oh well maybe you should look into being okay with, the, with shit ruining your plans yeah. or your life your life might be not so nice <laughs> maybe you should look into that like like what a like the goddess Kali who is like mm -hmm. the creator and destroyer yeah. like yeah or like a forest fire type of energy like after yeah. the fire happens but then like that like creates a nutrient to the soil to grow and sometimes it's a necessary destruction because what was happening yep. needed to go but yeah definitely right. harsh it's a harsh reality like yep. what Carson said earlier it came in like a wrecking ball <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it, it oh. truly did. Um, so what are some ways, and we've kind of touched on this with some of these, but what are some ways that coronavirus has affected your life? So I traveled for work, like I mentioned, um, so I'm not traveling at all for work now, okay. which is really kind of a bummer. I have a lot of friends in uh, Sweden and Spain that I wish I could be seeing yep. <laughs> on a regular basis like I was. Um, and then just full-time working from home, but now in an RV, um, yeah. which, like, I'm definitely a very social person, so I miss, like, being in the physical presence. Actually, today I was on a call, and one of the vendors in Sweden, they were actually, like, both people in the same room on the video, and I was like, real quick, can I just point out how insanely jealous I am that you're sitting <laughs> physically next to your colleague? Like, uh -huh. I'm like, I'm like vibrating with envy right uh -huh. now, <laughs> like seeing this. And like, until I saw it, I didn't realize how much I miss physically working uh -huh. with people in the same space. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, we're pretty lucky. Like, we're back in the office half, you know, half the people uh, every other day or whatever. Um, so yeah, it's it's that has definitely been a huge change. Um, but I. Honestly, other than that, 
not much <laughs> like because I think you know being that I'm doing this RV thing I'm kind yep. of like already isolating myself yeah so the mm -hmm. whole social distancing thing is built kind of in built in exactly <laughs> a forced a forced yeah. thing um you know just got to remember to take my I've, I've definitely had to double back several times like when I've gone to stores and stuff because I forgot to bring a mask and I'm like oh yep. god <laughs> like mm -hmm. um but yeah it's not a not a big deal it's easy enough it i Kind of makes me sad all the people who get so angry about masks and, and stuff like that it's like man yeah, just yeah. respect respect other people's things like it's not like i'm fine i'd be totally fine yeah. to not wear a mask but i respect yep. that somebody else has a little bit you know of yeah. less, less certainty and is more worried about it and that's mm -hmm. their thing and i'm not gonna jump all over them for that like yeah whatever like the mask isn't gonna kill me <laughs> like uh, i think that that's an interesting kind of like part of humanity that's come alive or that I've just yeah. been noticing so much during the pandemic is like how people's um, fears then kind of get weaponized into like shaming and blaming other people. But I feel like it kind of obviously comes from this place of like just feeling deeply uncomfortable with what's going on and kind right. of directing it at other people. Yes, and, absolutely. And yeah, just yeah. having to, yeah. Yep. wanting to like blame somebody because you don't yeah. feel good and it's like okay but there's like slivers of truth where it's, it's like yes it is better to you know take this action versus this one but also like you could communicate to people without like attacking their character right and, like, uh, yeah well, it seems yeah. it seems like that's the only way like I don't know, or I guess the louder right. people in our society right. it's just every everything is an argument and a screaming match and a you're completely wrong and like it's not it's Everything never a, it's never a discussion for, obviously yeah. or else like, why would you say that <laughs> yeah and it's like yeah. never a discussion it's never a learning experience it's never an a operator in an attempt to understand it's always a nope you're a complete idiot you're completely wrong you are worthless i can't even believe you're you know blah 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 i'm not even talking to you and it's like what how how is that helpful at all like yeah. if your goal is to convince this person that you're right you are taking the worst like tact at that like what like I mean, what the hell? like if somebody of, came in, like it doesn't make any sense it's crazy like people a lot of people don't realize that and i think that it's like maybe their goal isn't actually to change somebody's mind because yep. you yep. know i think some of the times but yeah a lot of people don't make the connection between how what they want and how they're trying to get it yeah <laughs> no you're like, absolutely I mean, right yeah all the time um but i also think right now you know there are people people are, are definitely being extra aggressive because their their fears are just like kind of coming out as aggression and anger um but also people are like really sensitive right now yeah. and so those two things together are just ugly right. it's, it's just, just a, not a, not a good it's a recipe for it's an explosive recipe <laughs> it, yeah. it is it yeah. is it totally is yeah yeah definitely yeah yeah i think also just checking in with like each of ourselves if you find yourself engaging in a discussion like this and asking yourself like do you want to like achieve a productive outcome or do you want to be right and right yeah why do you need to be right 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 yeah right yeah with this person <laughs> yeah and it takes and i mean i i get it because it, it honestly like i i have uh i kind of had this thought uh probably months ago at this point but i mean you just see like a lot of stuff you know getting posted on facebook and i'm like can i i, I can't just keep scrolling past this stuff like i have to 
put an effort to be the change that I want to see. Like nothing's going to change if you just let everybody keep screaming at each other. And I was like, but at the same time, it's like, I don't have the time or the energy to engage everyone, yeah. you know? And like, it's, it's, it, cause it's never a one, a one comment thing. It's like, if, if you're going to try to plant a seed of change, it's, it's going to, it's going to be a threat and it's going to take hours, if not days of back and forth to yeah. at least put a seed of doubt in that person's mind to get them to possibly explore the fact that there might be an alternative to what they're, they're proposing. And so I kind of made a, uh, an, a uh, intentional agreement with myself that like, okay, I'm going to at least once a week pick a post and like comment and like engage with that person. And it's, it was, I, I thought it was easy. I thought it was going to be easy. I was like, okay, I'm setting aside at this time of party. You know, it's a thing. I'm going to do it. It's and, a thing. But it, it, it was like, I would spend so much time because I have to, you have to be so careful because yeah. I mean, it's so easy for people to twist what you say and, and attack. And it's mm -hmm. like, so you have to come in so neutral and very careful about how you, how you phrase things and whatever. And just because I'm, I mean, I'm truly coming from a point of, I want I always try to come from a, a, a uh, perspective of trying to seek understanding. Like this person believes this for some reason, like mm -hmm. to just completely negate that and tell them that they're wrong is, is not going to work. Like your, your yep. best hope is to understand why they believe what they believe. Like, Absolutely. you know why you believe what you believe. Why do they believe yeah. what they believe? And then figure yeah. out like, like where the disconnect is. Maybe you're wrong. Maybe when you, when you realize that you're like, Oh shit, that makes total sense. Um, mm -hmm. But if at the very least, you know why you believe what you believe, you know why they believe what they believe, and then you can try to find a middle ground and, and get them to see your side at least. Um, and it's just so hard to, to question people and not have them feel attacked. Like everybody's default mode is like, why are you attacking me? And it's yeah, like, yeah. I'm, I literally just asked you if you could explain to me why you believe this and you feel like you're being attacked. Like, like I don't, like it's, it's so hard. So yeah, but it was, uh, it was definitely a... a I had a lot of good conversation with, with people and it was a really good exercise also in just like kind of expanding my ability to communicate like awesome. very neutrally. So it was really a, quite a, a fruitful exercise. And now that I say that, I realize that I kind of haven't been, cause I've just been off of social media a bunch since I started traveling. So I really need to get back on that. <laughs> yeah. Get back on that. There's a, um, there's a guy that I went to high school with. He was actually a valedictorian and somebody that I've, I've grown up with in my whole life. And he was apparently the um, Republican party treasurer for our hometown up until I think two years ago, he abandoned them completely. Huh. He's voting for Biden this year. And he has been stirring the pot on social media, like, the whole basically since the pandemic started um right. and he there's like some community chats that he'll post in but he'll also just post on his personal page usually just on his personal page but it's public so anyone can come um right. comment on it and where we come from is like a very very republican backwoods kind of place right and um it is the way that he speaks is super neutral super smart and he's oftentimes just asking questions mm -hmm. and people get, just oh <laughs> oh my god oh oh and it's like yeah. and it's funny because he is like i voted for trump like i was the treasurer like you right, know, like right. i'm not some crazy liberal you know like yeah i'm not some crazy liberal and um another thing he he, people were like, you know, go, go get a job or like, go do something else. He's like, 
he has a business where he makes these like really expensive designer putters basically that he sells to rich golfers nice. so he's like like yeah he's like i got plenty of time like already <laughs> already have my successful business sorry that yeah. i managed to do that and, and you're still <laughs> sitting at your nine to five pitching on on my post like exactly like i got i got all day stop stop, here. stop and, projecting <laughs> but it, it it really also just it shows kind of like the sad state of you know he's just like comes about these things in such a gentle neutral you know very progressive way but people are just so offended but they're so threatened by mm -hmm. anything that is not what they think. Um, yep. And I don't necessarily, I don't know if I have it in me to go do that. I've honestly just been staying off of Facebook for the most part. Um, yeah. What I will do is because it's like one of those things where like there are some things that you just can't scroll past. Right. And so I will pop in, I will say what I have to say. I often won't sit in some sort of back and forth like right. whatever with somebody because for the most part it's usually not any kind of constructive debate it's usually mm -hmm. just like a bunch of like weird fallacies and like illogical ways of arguing and stuff right. that just is completely ineffective and triggering and it's just yeah. not worth my time yeah yeah, yeah it's tough because I, just, I also feel that urge to kind of not engage when people go kind of illogical or twist what you're saying but at the yeah. same time it's like if i if i don't continue i feel like they feel like that argument was valid and, and they're like oh. they're like oh i'm so good at arguing in my point and that guy's such an idiot and you couldn't <laughs> couldn't i'm like this is the my argument is solid and it's like your argument <laughs> just literally made so little sense that i didn't want to spend time yeah. explaining how I'm, dumb it I'm, was <laughs> like it just it just feels like i'm burning my brain cells on things yeah. that i shouldn't have to be burning it, it's it on but true, though. i just but try to, to i mean like, unravel to them why their argument made no sense yeah and then try to come back and then they're just like come back with something else completely illogical and there's just no winning that game it's it's really a practice in patience and compassion because you just I, mean, I, I just try to like again it's like they believe that that argument is valid for some reason like yes. they're in their yep. mind that is true or makes sense or is valid and yep. it's just like man like how can i help this person see that their their logic and their their information is not whole or it's mm -hmm. flat out incorrect or it's at least bias. Like, how can I help them see the, the full picture? And so I just well, like have to keep that mindset and not like this person's an asshole. It's like, no, yeah, this person is just misinformed and it's unfortunate yep. and I have to try to help them see more. Really good. And yeah. I think it's really healthy that you set a limit too of like one a yeah. week because you could yeah. easily make oh my it, God. Like, your personal thing and then become totally overwhelmed. I did at first, like I didn't set a limit. I was just like, I'm not gonna, it, it, it started with the whole Black Lives Matter thing and just seeing people's like the, the vague posts where it's like, like, I mean, I'll say it's obviously racist, but at the same time, it's like, it could possibly not be racist, but the way it was posted, it can definitely be interpreted as racist. So I was like, I'm not gonna be silent anymore. I'm gonna put comment on every single one of those posts and be like, hey, can you please explain what you mean by this post? Like, I'm not gonna let you be vaguely racist. Like you're going to you're you're going to say that you're racist or you're going to say what you meant. 
and uh, <laughs> yep. and that did. Oh my god, it was a it was a rough week. I was so <laughs> depressed. I was like, okay, I can't Aww. do this. I can't. Like, yeah. it's it, it's intense. And that's why I was like, okay, one a week, one a week. <laughs> one a week. Um, yeah. I'm gonna pop out and go to the bathroom. So just a minute. Okay. <laughs> just Bio the break. two of us. Just yep, the two of us. <laughs> we can make it if we try. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, karaoke man. break i um, like it <laughs> yeah you know i didn't think i'd be re singing on this podcast so soon but maybe <laughs> so we'll <soon>. make <laughs> maybe we'll make it a thing you know i like oh um, that should be like like each guest picks a song and you guys sing together I don't know, like a you know there was on the boat like I Jimmy just Fallon on, kind of thing we had a karaoke like system on it and nice. we would every every charter that we did karaoke with a guest was a huge hit and it was usually like kind of a surprise and it would be like you know maybe if we were doing a birthday celebration we'd bring out the cake and then we'd turn on the karaoke and we could sing happy birthday, happy birthday. karaoke and then and just let it go and then it would just let it go from there and yep. it was always really cute because it was families a lot of times and it's like <laughs> families never get to karaoke together and so yeah, it'd be like true. the husband and wife like the husband would like sing the song that to his wife that was like their song at their wedding and then right, like right. grandpa would get up there and like sing the song that you know meant something to him and grandma and then like the kids get up and sing Moana songs and like yeah. it's just this like really cute family thing um so yeah we were just talking about karaoke <laughs> no just a bit a bit of a tangent yeah. <laughs> that was the tangent we went on while you were gone <laughs> well something that I was thinking about based on like our conversation is um like, especially since Black Lives Matter, like I've been, um, like many people have got some different books on my Kindle that I've been reading. Um, specifically, the one that I'm reading now is White Fragility. And oh. really yeah, yeah, have y'all have y'all read it? I haven't read that. I did mm -hmm. see some interesting things come out. Um, like, because I think that book came out, I want to say around, maybe it didn't come out um, it definitely when, peaked popularity with BLM. Peak popularity. It was, it was out before. Um, it out shortly before. But I, I saw a few pieces come out that were like written by people of color that were saying that that book was bullshit, basically. <laughs> that, like, that it was like almost like that it, it missed basically, because I haven't read the book, so it's hard to say like what they missed, <laughs> but they were basically saying that like while what there it says in the book has relevancy it's missing a whole bunch of other very important things about their you know cause yeah um, the, the critique I, I, of it i can get that but at the same time i, I mean i think it's impossible for one book to encompass everything yeah, like, I think it's you're right. such a, a and I think that's one of the ways that people kind of negate the whole movement because mm -hmm. they'll they'll focus on one thing and they'll be like, but what about this? And it's like, holy shit, dude, we can't take it all at once. All right. Yeah. Like, do you agree that this is important? I'm not saying yeah. this other thing isn't fucking important, but yeah. like you agree that this is right. Cool. Right, like, let's do something I about it. Like, I, I, I get that there's a shit ton of other stuff that needs attention, but like, we yeah, can't do it all at once. Gotta start like, somewhere. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, most like, I don't know. For me, it was a good, but I, and I think yeah. it accomplishes a very important thing, which is, I mean, it, it gets the conversation going and it makes yeah. people think. So in that respect, it was a, for me, it was a really good book. Um, yeah. Well, something that I like has really, that I, I mean, has been helping me a lot um, with reading the book. And then I think, you know, to someone that's listening that maybe hasn't read it. And also just for having conversations with people about racism, 
is like um like the big overarching theme so far is that like it is like a system that we have been indoctrinated into and absolutely yeah and but our old, to it. yeah like our old definition of racism is kind of based on like overt like, actions yeah, and exactly. thought. yeah and that's the other yeah. thing where people are like oh racism doesn't exist and it's like we're not arguing about the same thing which is kind of yeah. a thing that really mm -hmm. frustrates me is yeah. that people aren't clear in their vocabulary and what they mean yeah. when they say things mm -hmm. so people are yelling at each other and it's like guys you're you're literally arguing two different things using the same yeah. words but you don't yeah. know it and it's, it's so compassionately kind of approaching those people and and like anyone of understanding that if you think that the definition of a racist is someone that is like um like in the kkk and like right that lynching is all right and like like right. has these extreme hateful actions like that equals racist to you that would be a huge moral detriment and you don't identify as that so like exactly, exactly. yeah we're working within that definition of racism it's really limiting but instead of like shifting the the perspective to like we're all indoctrinated into the system and you are like participating in racism whether you realize without even knowing it right exactly yep. but i think that to me that helps like when there there's like a little bit more education about like like it not being like you, you right. suck of just right. like, this is a thing that has been yes. happening. None of us chose it necessarily, but we are all participating and like benefiting or being, uh, I don't want to be punished, but like taken advantage of, like, you know, yep. you know the, yep. the scales are being yep. tipped in one end. Whether, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah anyway, it's like, it's like helpful to like depersonalize like the conversation, yeah. the attack about like, you have these behaviors that you have learned. But it's not necessarily mm -hmm. like you you can be a good person and still be participating or you can be a exactly. moral person and still exactly. racism like unconsciously or whatever. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And it's like the same thing with white privilege. And I feel like mm -hmm. that it's just such an unfortunate phrase because it sounds so uh, I can't think of a good word for it, but just like bad. Like you you don't want to admit that you have that and, yeah. and like mm -hmm. And so many people are like, are like, oh, I don't like, I grew up poor. I have no privilege. How can you say I have privilege? Privilege like, no, does I'm not feel saying... like a dirty word now. Right. <laughs> and it's like, I'm not saying that you had it easy. Saying that you have privilege doesn't mean that you had it easy. It's just mm -hmm. saying that you had it easier than somebody of, who's of color. Like yeah. your situation sucked. You worked your ass off to get to where you are. I'm not negating that. All I'm saying is if that you were black, it mm -hmm. would have been harder than yeah, it was yeah. for you. Like, that's it. And like, you can't, like, well, that's bullshit. Like, oh, is it though? Is it though? Like, it's not. Like, it legitimately, it's a thing. Yeah. Like, I, it's like, if you, if, like, I was explaining to a, a, a girlfriend of mine, um, she was an immigrant, like, started from nothing. And I was like, listen, if you walk up to somebody and ask for help, the first thing that they're thinking in their mind is, oh, this, this pretty girl needs help. How can I help her? If a black person walks up to somebody asking for help, the first thing you're thinking is, where's my wallet? Where's the exit? What does this person want? Yeah. Like that, I mean, that's just like the, how great people's brains have been programmed. And like yeah. that sets them up to not have as positive an experience in that situation. And therefore you're going to have an easier time than they're going to have. And like yeah. that just all snowballs and just that over and over and over and over throughout a lifetime yeah. ends up with, you know, a, a less privileged life. Yeah. It just, it's crazy that people, I don't know, that, that you can't see that, but it's definitely a thing. Well, I think by not, it's, it's just like in other areas of your life. Like, for example, my dad has been struggling with like hip pain, but mm -hmm. it, 
everyone noticed but him that it got worse whenever he did la like manual labor around the house. But he was like, I don't get it. I don't understand. <laughs> Why is my hip hurt? I know. And we were like, right. well, obviously you went in the workshop and now it's worse. And he's like, I don't get it. Like, <laughs> I don't think so. No. For no. him, <laughs> he like, you know, is getting something out of doing these activities. And if he had to acknowledge that what he's doing is harming him, then that right. would create a whole new okay. set of responsibilities of taking action and changing his behavior and maybe doing things that he doesn't want to do, like yep. not yep. doing his whatever manual labor that he gets some sort of enjoyment out of. I don't yep. know. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So I think it's no, a really, that's a really good analogy. Yeah. 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 But like, yeah. oh, if I acknowledge that, that means I have to change and I'm kind of comfortable in what I'm doing right now. So yeah, I don't really want to have to say that this is happening. Yeah. Yeah, I'd have to like, take responsibility for it too. Then there'd be like a whole yeah. lot of consequences That's... and actions. If I like affirm to myself that this is a thing, then I can't just keep on cruising on autopilot. I would have right. to like, like try a lot harder. Like do something. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but at the, and at the same time, I think, I think there's also, a I don't know, if, in my mind, it's not it's not like it's you have to take personal responsibility for because it's not like you walked up to the shelf and took a big old helping of white privilege and walked out with it you know like yeah. it's something that you don't have a choice and it's yeah. and so it's just recognizing that and then mm -hmm. i mean it's not like you have to give back everything you got you just have to be aware of it and try to break it down going forward and that doesn't necessarily mean that you're like in my mind, it's not, it's not like you have to go down. That's the other thing. I think people think it's a zero, a zero sum game. Right. So it's yeah. like, well, if I have to, if they have to come up, well, I have to go down. It's like, Let's no, we just, everyone up. Yeah, <laughs> like everyone. there's plenty of, of opportunity and goodwill and all of that. We just have to break down there all this is. bullshit. Like, yeah, there is. I like that. That's a creative idea, Eugene. One of those. <laughs> Very. Why don't we just have it all? Yeah, dude. I'm, I'm, whenever anybody asks me, "Do you want this or that?" I'm like, I'm more of an and person. I don't really do or. So yeah, yeah I mean, just you both. You are that kind of person, Eugene. <laughs> yeah. Like this or that. I'm like, I'm, I'm an and, not an or person. I love it. Like some people get that right away, and other people are like, "What are you talking about? <laughs> what does that even mean? What are you?" And I'm like, "You said this or that, right?" I'm like, "Yeah, I don't or. I and." And they're like. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. Why? Why does it have to be one or like this? Doesn't preclude the other thing. It can mm -hmm. be both. <laughs> well, I feel like a lot of us have grown up with like kind of this authoritarian system, like potentially of like starting in your family, but then like how school is, and then how the mm -hmm. government is, where it's mm -hmm. just perceived that there's this like authority, whether it's like um like very clear and obvious authority or just kind of like implied authority that you need to do things this way life's right. gonna be hard you have to struggle and work hard maybe one day we'll throw you a bone and that's it yeah. and, and i feel like that is like how this like what we're trying to shine light on here in this podcast is it doesn't necessarily have to be an or it can be an and it can be an and questions, then like, yeah you can totally yep. make the life that you want and maybe it could be even cooler than you imagined yeah, exactly. I mean, you exactly. the way that you make your it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to exist already. Like you don't yeah. have to just do something that's you don't have to be like, oh, I can get a group of friends together and form a, a you know a 
performing slash entertaining troupe and, and market that and like that'll be my thing and it's like well that was the thing that you did but that didn't exist before that like you, you create a new way of of living and new new ways of being and, and that's i mean it's definitely possible and i think yeah. uh yeah i mean i think the world needs that because clearly the way that we're going is kind of hitting a bit of a dead end (laughs) we think the world needs that also and that's why we started this podcast and i I love this idea (laughs) i was super stoked when i saw you guys announce and i was like oh this is going to be awesome (laughs) i think that you know you have definitely shown us how you are living you know a very authentic lifestyle and you know that's one thing that we want to encourage our listeners to do is to live their lives with authenticity mm-hmm. and to figure out how to even get there and so i think there's a lot of peace people that are like well yeah i want to live this authentic life but how so what mm-hmm. what are what's some advice that you have for people that are maybe living like a nine to five life and they don't feel fulfilled in it and they're wanting more and they want to do something cool like whatever it is um that they want to go do what their dream is what what what's your advice for them um i think it would be to try to really think about and just well for one don't don't focus on trying to get it right the first time like because you're going to paralyze yourself being like what do I want to do and then just sit there and like you're never going to make any moves because you you're not sure if what you're thinking of is the right thing that's huge so it's like don't be afraid to try something and then realize like oh I don't actually enjoy that or that's not working and then change and do something else Um, because like life's a journey not a destination right so like that process is part of it and maybe like during that process you learn something that shows you a way that you wouldn't even have thought of before that um, as a possibility. So I think that's one thing. And then the other thing I would say is to just be careful about trying to live a life that you think you would want, but it's really like something somebody else would want. Uh, this is not coming out well, but what I'm trying to say is like, um, you know, like, like, I mean, because of Instagram and Facebook and social media, you see, other people posting stuff and you're like oh like that's the life I want to live and it's like is it or is that just like a picture and you can appreciate the beauty of that picture and the excitement of that life or whatever it is but it's not really for you Mm -hmm. so like you would put in all the effort and energy to do that and then you wouldn't actually be happy because it's not the thing you really want to be doing it's just the thing that got the most likes on Instagram and you want to have that and it's like that you know don't don't get sucked in by by that like try to really focus and and pay attention to how you feel and like is what you're doing actually bringing you joy if nobody knew you were doing what you were doing would you still be doing it Mm. like is it is it are you doing it for yourself or are you doing it so that other people you know can see you doing it kind of thing and that's I think that's kind of a good litmus test I literally just thought of that right now (laughs) yeah (laughs) I like that just like connecting like to your body too of like do you feel like alive and lit up like right. you more energy of doing this or does exactly it feel, like, heavy and constricting because like your body is usually will also tell you pretty straight right like on it's it's in sync with the the things that you should be doing mm-hmm. and it, it it drives and thrives on those things and then drives when and you're thrives. doing things that you're not it's it's draining and yet you feel lethargic mm-hmm. and like you don't want to get up 
and you're like, oh, but I got to do it. And it's like, well, why do you gotta, you, you get to, it's a get to thing. If you're not thinking every morning when you wake up, I get to do this, then I don't think you're doing the thing you want to be doing. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a privilege. Yeah. Yeah. And just knowing that you can always like shift so many things. Like I was feeling exhausted by my self-care routine because I felt like I needed to do, like, I've been really so many self-care things. It's crazy, but like, but then I'm like bullying myself, like, okay, well you need to do an hour long of this vinyasa yoga. And then I was, I did, anyways, then I was like, hey, wait, you could do something else that's still a physical activity, maybe 45 minutes to an hour. You could change it because right. like, you're still doing something in that category you're still anyways but sometimes yeah. you know it's just like when you've got the blinders on it's like this is how it needs to be and it's like yep. actually no it's okay yeah and that's the a goal is to help you if you're not being helped by this <laughs> exactly yeah, exactly <laughs> that it's not hitting the goal so that's a really good point the blinders so i think a, a good piece of advice would be like be sure that you take like intentional time to check in with yourself and see how things are going because people are so on autopilot and I mean, it still happens to me. Like, I'll be like, I'll look back and I'll be like, what the hell did I do for the last three weeks? Like, <laughs> I, didn't do anything. I, I made no progress in anything in my life. I just mm-hmm. woke up, worked, jumped out of a plane a, a couple of times, like saw some friends. Like I didn't, I, I wasn't really intentional in any of that. And yeah. it's like, every, like the majority of people I feel like live that way. But if you take, if you pause every once in a while and think, okay, what am I doing? Am I doing what I want to be doing? What steps am I taking to get to somewhere else? Like, obviously, again, it's, it's not about, getting exactly where you want to go but but at least moving in that direction and being open to other possibilities and just making sure that you are doing that and not getting caught in a routine that's not helpful um Mm -hmm. yeah be aware of those blinders for sure Mm, and yeah i I mean you just gotta again go into it with patience right because it's not going to happen overnight like i mean i i was going to festivals for 10 years before i got paid to go to a festival like it's not (laughs) it's not a it's not an overnight thing, but you know, <laughs> put, just keep keep going and putting yourself in the right spot with the right attitude, and things yeah. will happen. I think those are all wonderful pieces of advice. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah. Well, thank you so much, Eugene. This was For sure. incredibly enriching. I feel like I learned a lot about you. <laughs> I'm very curious. I do. <laughs> super awesome to talk with you guys i miss you haven't seen you in forever i know same yeah i know it's where are you guys at someday i'm in miami yeah that's right you're where austin austin okay yeah nice nice uh we just all gaze at each other for a while (laughs) right for real like, oh, again. Like, virtual can we just like virtual cuddle puddle like, uh, <laughs> pretend uh, that we're back in the hot tub yeah like somebody get a hot oh tub oh my gosh yeah that was so much fun oh, that was that, really great through the, the great flood of 2020 jesus <laughs> <laughs> i can't believe that was january like, it seems like it seems like years ago i'm so glad that we had that right everything for all this to hell yeah yeah <laughs> beautiful cathartic new beginnings hell <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. It's, i mean it's 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 historic it's kind of i mean it's you know if, if you for me at least like kind of take a little bit of a step back it's just like it's kind of cool to think 
like this is going to be something that people read about in history books yeah like, oh yeah for a, for a long time like yeah it's there's some big shifts in the way people live yeah. and, and the way we think and, and stuff and yep. it's kind of cool to be living through it it is I've, I've had some moments of that feeling as well like that comes every now and again I'll have a wave it it, 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 it passes through quickly I'm like oh right. wow, this is cool and then it's gone again <laughs> and then it's like this sucks <laughs> <laughs> the fast wave but I recognize it when it happens right right yeah it's been challenging and beautiful at the same time it's cool. It also, I feel like, kind of gives an excuse to be more creative because mm-hmm. people, I feel like you can really try things right now and a lot of less, people are less judgy. Yeah, people yeah. are like, well, they're just trying to figure out a way to live and, you know, <laughs> like that's like, good, good on them, you know, like, 2020, yeah, exactly. When nothing, when nothing is possible, everything is possible. So, so I love that mentality. That's I think it. you're kind of right. Moment. Yeah. Got a lot of tweetable moments here, Eugene. Thank you. For <laughs> They're all yours. Yeah. Thank you. We'll quote you. Don't worry. I love it. It's like one of my dreams. One of my dreams is to have a like a, a meme quote that goes viral in a positive way. Well, maybe <laughs> we're gonna make that happen. That'd be that'll be so dope. Oh, <laughs> and it's gonna be no if no one else is watching, would you still be doing it? Right, right. <laughs> yeah, actually we could change like um I've been making quotes for the Instagram page, but now that we're starting to record content, yes, we definitely from our podcast guest. Absolutely. Yes, hundred percent. Yeah, I love it. So yep. much better. All right. All right, Eugene. Well, thank you so much. It was really wonderful having you. Thank and you guys. we'll just stop recording now. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. We are really grateful to you all for taking the time. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Like and comment and share with anyone who you think might benefit from this. And if you have any questions or you'd like to connect with us, you can find us on Instagram at Creative Life Hackers. You could shoot us an email at creativelifehackers at gmail.com or come to our website, creativelifehackers.com. Our intro and outro is by Joseph McDade. You can find at josephmcdade.com.